All right, we're gonna get started. 6.08, 6.08. It's a good time, it's a good time to get started. So sorry we're only in half the room tonight, but I didn't know how many people would come. You know, we haven't met for like three or four weeks and there was kind of like a scheduling snafu with like the other half. So anyway, do we have only half the room next time too? Yes. See, both, both weeks, both weeks. But welcome to More to Life. Welcome back. It's been a while. It feels like it's been a long time. Last time we met was right before the 4th. Um, just again, if you guys want to stay connected in the loop, you can sign that piece of paper back there that says, hey, here's my number. Hey, here's my email. All that good stuff. Um, I'm really looking forward to this fall because we've got some cool ideas coming up about things. I don't know if you got the survey or if you filled it out or if you didn't. We took all the results from the survey that Ann created and sent out through the email and we got some results back. Because we're looking at this thing and we're like, hey, we've been doing More to Life for three years and we've got like a database of like 190 people, believe it or not, right? Of 190 people that are like getting emails and texts and like people outside the state that are listening to podcasts and fun things like that. But out of all those people, we were like, oh, we've heard different things from some of the people who participate and come and they've said, oh, well, could we try this or could we try that? And so we wanted to send out the survey and just say, hey, what else could we do? Sometimes on these nights or even just locally, like on another night, what could we do? How could we stretch this just a little bit more? Because um, that's what I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for the next step. Like what's that next thing that we could do? It doesn't have to be bigger. It doesn't have to be necessarily like more. It just has to be like a little bit better, a little bit deeper, you know? So anyway, Anne's got some of those results. I was gonna have her kind of say, She's looking at me like, do I? Um, anyway, some of like the top three things that came back, just so you can hear it out loud, top three things that we want to try or implement or will be happening this next kind of year of More to Life. So the top one by far was a local service project in Summit County, like three to four hours on the weekend. Um, the next most popular idea was a group book discussion one time, time to talk about it. Um, after that was a tie between happy hour at a local restaurant before an MTL night, like a five o'clock-ish time. Before, that could be rough. After, <laughs> or dinner slash drinks at a restaurant after MTL. Sounds better. Like right after, like seven o'clock. So the before or after crowd was strong. <laughs> and then the other before one that was kind of in that top five would have been a Workshop with Bill and or others, two to three sessions on a Saturday. Yeah. So, that's the most popular ideas. And the Saturday thing is going to happen in the fall. That's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, we're going to promote it a little bit, put it out there, but it's just going to be called the fall sessions. That's it. The fall sessions. And there's going to be a couple of them on Saturdays when there's an opportunity to come and maybe share brunch, and then you can have the rest of your Saturday. Or there might be something in the evening on a Saturday that you could like enjoy the beginning part of the day and then come at the evening part. So anyway, that will be coming. Other other than that, yeah. Was that I'm sorry. Was that like a community project, like uh, something back to the community, or just a brunch talk? That was just like a brunch talk thing. The top, the top one was a service project. But that's okay. the top thing. So we're gonna make that happen. I think that would. Yeah, that's gonna happen. We're gonna find some different organizations, maybe some different ways we could plug in 
to the local community a couple of things that we could do. We'll pitch it out to you guys and see who can participate. We'll do it no matter what. Uh, five people will be involved, myself, Ann, and our three boys. So five people will obviously attend. Um, and then anybody else who can make it happen and be a part of it. Other than that, the best of Summit 2018, More to Life is out there as a nonprofit. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, hint, hint. Like, you can go vote for us and make it into the best of Summit 2018. So, just putting that out there. The best wedding officiant might be out there too. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, if it is, you know, you can always click on that guy's name, whoever you think he is. Um, and then outside of that, since we haven't met for a while, I just wanted to hit back to more to life. There's actually a guy in this room, his name's Ken Sauerberg, he's sitting right there. And a long time ago, Ken Sauerberg and I had a conversation, and one of the things we talked about was how the best things in life are never advertised, right? All the advertisements, all the things you're bombarded by, all the things you're being hit up by normally on a daily basis, you're not gonna be like on your deathbed being like, oh yeah, those things. It's like, it's this other stuff that doesn't hit you on a consistent basis. There's no regular rhythm that like you're bombarded by, hey, you need to take time to fill in the blank with this kind of really important thing of your life. It just really doesn't happen. So when I always try and tell people about more to life, I always try and push back and say, you know, we've got really busy lives and it seems like sometimes we're proud of being busy even though we really hate it at the same time. And I love this space just as an intentional time to pause and adventure inward and consider what are some of those things that really matter, right? What can I be encouraged about in my life that has real weight, real depth, real substance? Because that just doesn't happen. And for me, part of my journey has been, I mean, I'm 40 now, and I'm constantly like exploring spirituality and trying to figure out what that means now at 40. Because I feel like spirituality just keeps changing for me. It like keeps evolving and keeps adapting. And one of the things I keep brushing up against is my worth, my worth, 100%. Sometimes I feel like that's the only thing spirituality is about, is convincing us that we have worthiness, that there's something like in us at our deepest level that's worthwhile. Because every time I bump into something in an advertisement, it's trying to tell me I'm not enough. But if I bought that thing, maybe, right? Or if I had those shoes, or if I drank that drink, or if I, whatever. But just to stop and be like, no, you know, I am 100% enough. So I hope through the More to Life Nights, you definitely hear that loud and clear. And that you can also just maybe adventure inward and see what that looks like to kind of explore some of that. But anyway, on to our talk tonight. Permission slip. Permission slip. Tonight and next Tuesday, a week from tonight. Two weeks in a row talking about permission slip. What I was thinking about was as a kid, as a child, growing up, I felt like I lived and breathed the world of asking permission. It, like happened all the time. Like, I feel like most people in this room were probably in a classroom at some point where you had to raise your hand because you had to go to the bathroom. And you had to say like, you waited and you waited and then someone actually called on you and said, can I please go to the restroom? And they would say, no. Or who knows what they would say, right? I knew kids that peed their pants because like they didn't get called on. Super embarrassing, right? But 
you had to ask permission to get up to go to the bathroom. Several of you probably experienced a household in which you had to ask permission to be excused from the table at dinner. So when you were finished, you didn't just get up. You didn't just leave. You didn't walk away. You actually had to ask permission, may I please be excused from the dinner table. My three boys know very well that they need to talk to Ann or me before inviting people over to our house, right? If I come home and there's just people there, it's like, what is going on? So like, you need to ask. Or if they're gonna have somebody stay the night or something. Like, I just don't wanna come home and be like, oh yeah, here's these three people, they're, they're staying the night. Like, no, they're not. You can ask permission. You need to make that happen somehow. As children, asking for permission is a huge, huge, huge part of your existence. Huge part of your life. I don't know if you ever remember, like, especially like the younger crowd in this room, but now when you go on trips at school, you have to actually have a permission slip. Like, my kids will bring it home. Tate especially. Tate will be all nervous. There's this trip coming up. And he brings home this slip like a month ahead of time. And he's got this slip. And all it says was, I write my name, Phil Gallagher, give Tate Gallagher permission to go to the zoo. And then I sign it. And I put a date on it. That's it. I've seen kids lose their sanity because they show up on the day of their trip and their permission slip has not been turned in. And suddenly they cannot participate. They can't go, but sometimes, you know, teachers make things happen and they make it work and parents stop by last minute. But if you've ever been that kid, it's like the end of the world. I don't have permission to go on this thing. I can't make it happen. As kids, we ask to eat, we ask to go places, we ask to participate in events, we ask to make purchases, on and on and on. And so it's no wonder with, with permission being so hardwired into us at such an early age that we learn to work the system very early. Now, I know you've done this. I know I'm not alone. I remember being a teenager. It was a good time. And I remember wanting to go somewhere really bad, really bad. And, and I knew that if I asked my mom, she was gonna say no. I knew it. I just knew it somehow, right? You kinda get a sixth sense about those things. And so, of course, I wanna go and I wanna make sure this happens. So I, of course, approach my father. Right? I know who to ask based on what I'm asking about, right? Flip the scenario. I want to buy something pretty expensive and pretty stupid and pretty spontaneously. And I know that my dad wants me to be saving my money. And I know he wants me to be putting that away and making that happen. But I know that if I go to my mom and I ask her, hey, is it okay? If I, if I get this thing, she's gonna be like, oh yeah, that would be great. Go ahead and buy it. And I'm like, yes. And so based on what I'm asking and what I'm needing permission to do, I go to different sources, right? 
working the system, working the system. And then there's some of you in this room, you're like on a whole nother level. Cause you know, like growing up, maybe you had a sibling and you wanted to borrow something from that sibling, but you knew there was no way they were gonna give it to you. You knew you couldn't borrow it. Or you knew, regardless of what parent I ask or what authority figure I go to, this is not gonna happen. So you've adopted that other policy that everybody likes to say, right? It's not asking permission, it's asking forgiveness, right? Why ask for permission when you can ask for forgiveness later? And that's like how that story goes. That's, that's a lot of people. It's all working the system though. It's all working the system because we've all had to ask permission so many times. So based on who we're like going to ask, we know maybe the response they'll give us. So what we intend to get permission for, we go to different people. Maybe what we're asking permission for makes us not even ask at all. And we just charge right ahead and make it happen anyways and cross our fingers and say, oh, yeah, we'll ask forgiveness later. As you get older in life, you realize that there's not always someone to ask. You start bumping into the thing of like, hey, guess what? Like, my boys have done this. They'll go to school and we put candy in their lunch, right? Is mom around? Nope. Dad around? Nope. I'm eating the candy first, right? No permission needed. Like, I'm gonna give myself permission to start with the candy. That's where I'm gonna go, right? Or like you get older and, and you're like, we, when we had Silas and he turned one years old, one year old, you're thinking like, does this kid really need birthday presents? I don't think so. So Ann and I gave ourselves permission to buy us some stuff, you know, like on his birthday. It's like, that's the route we're gonna go. Like we're just gonna give ourselves permission to do that. Do we need to ask anybody? No, we're parents, we're qualified, we're older, we can make this happen. You. Has anybody in this room had ice cream for breakfast ever? Come on. I'm not alone, am I? Sometimes you just do it for the hell of it. You're like, yes, like, I don't need to ask anybody permission. I can just do this. So I'm waking up, I'm having pizza for breakfast. I'm having ice cream for breakfast. I'm just going to make it happen. You hit a point where you don't always need to ask someone for permission, right? And then it's like this whole new world. But there are these times in life when you're still desperately looking for someone's permission. Like we all have these instances in our stories where we bump up against something and I kind of call it getting stuck because I like the whole metaphor of getting stuck, but it like kind of stops your forward momentum and maybe you're in this, this space and whatever's on the other side feels a little uncertain, a little unknown or a little uncomfortable. So you're kind of looking around like, well, should I or shouldn't I? I don't know. Man, I would love to be able to ask someone for permission because I would love for them to decide whether or not I should do this next thing. But there isn't anybody really to ask because that's a space that you get to own all yourself. It's your choice, it's your decision, it's your story. It's what you have to choose moving forward. True story, I just wanted to say this real quick. Ann bakes breakfast a lot for some of the teachers at breakfast, uh, not breakfast, dessert. She'll bring in like scones. It's breakfast food, but not really, right? Like it's like chocolate chip, like cake stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
She brings in all this stuff. One time she brought in this cake, and I think it was from a more to life. And we brought in the cake, and one of the teachers came in the room, and Tate was with us when we were dropping off the cake. And one of the teachers came in and said, oh my gosh, look at that cake. And she goes, nope, I shouldn't have a piece of that cake. She walked out of the room, and Tate looked at both of us, and she goes, why did she say that? Cake tastes so good. Like, he was like, why, why, why? Why wouldn't she give herself permission to eat the cake? Anyway, sometimes giving ourselves permission isn't so easy, and it can be a really, really difficult thing to do. And again, that can be because it's uncertain, it's unknown, it's uncomfortable, or maybe it's just new territory, I don't know. But I know in my own personal story that like I'm not so great at giving myself permission to do certain things. I'm great at all of this stuff, but sometimes over here with the stuff that really matters, that would change my life, that would keep me moving forward, that would allow me to grow and thrive, I'm not so great at giving myself permission to do these things. It doesn't happen very easily. Those things over there, when I don't give myself permission to do them, they cause me to get stuck. And I can lose my forward momentum. And so not giving myself permission can actually pre prevent my own personal thrival in life. Like it just keeps me in that place. We just had some family visit. Actually, we've had a lot of family visit. Anybody else? <laughs> I feel like summer, man. If you've got family that live in humidity, they're like dying to come visit you here. That's just how it happens. So we've had a lot of family visit, believe it or not. But one of my sister-in-laws, she visited, and she's a, she's a therapist, so I always like to talk with her and get her you know, brain working and asking her questions and things. And so we got to talking. And before long, I was telling her about this night, and we were talking about all the things that I don't give myself permission to do. And I wanted to share three of those with you tonight. Three areas where I personally have had a really hard time giving myself permission. But I need to do it. I need to do it. So the first one is to quit something. To quit something. I'm, I'm not a quitter. Being a quitter is like a bad thing, right? Like, I mean, I've heard that a lot. It's like, you don't want to quit things. You don't want to volunteer for something and then quit. You don't want to start something, band, and quit, right? You don't want to like, you don't want to become a quitter. But then there's all these other areas in life where like quitting something can be really beneficial. And it can be something positive for you if you can figure that out. We went through a period out here where we had like a main primary job for 15 years. And, and I talk to other people now and they're like, man, I don't know, I've been working the job for five years. And I think, well, that's not very long. Like I worked a job for 15 years and then I walked away from it. What was I walking toward? I had no clue. I just knew I had to walk away. One of the hardest things in my life to ever do. To say that like this, this thing over here that I've known and like I've, I've like orchestrated and, and just made my whole life's routine around this, I'm gonna walk away from that. I'm gonna quit it. But I knew it was time. And then I started looking for other jobs. And I was excited. 
and then I tried a job, and I quit that one. <laughs> and then I tried that job, and then I quit that one. And then I tried the next job, and I really didn't want to quit it, but I did. And then like, it just kept happening. And I was like, what is going on here? What is going on? And so I was talking with my sister-in-law. And um, the job that I want to highlight is 911 dispatch. <laughs> Guys, I went through a battery of tests, OK? Like, I mean tests. You had to go through like this first level, and I came out on top. Second level, came out on top. Third level, came out on top. You know, they offer me the job, and then you start going through all this more training. And I'm going through it, and I'm killing this job. I'm just like, awesome. And they keep like patting me on the back and saying, you're phenomenal at this job. Meanwhile, I can't sleep at night. I can't. Like, this was the first time in my life I was like drinking NyQuil, and I'm like being like, can I get to sleep? And then like a day before I would go back, I would just be like, you know? And then I would go in, and I would crush it. And then I'd come home, and I would be like, down. And it was crazy. And I lived in that space for quite a while because I didn't want to quit the job. I had already quit like three. And I was starting to feel kind of a quitting hangover. Like it was, it was bad about myself and feeling. And then these people had poured so much money into my training, you know? And I had risen to the top. And they had let all these other people go. And so then I was doing it out of that duty and obligation. And then I remember sitting at a Thanksgiving, and people came to Thanksgiving, and they were like, wow, Phil, what's up? Like, you're a little down, man. I was like, I hate my job, man. <laughs> like, I mean, it's crushing my soul. Like, I don't know what to do. And it was the whole thing, well, you've just got to quit. And I was like, I can't quit again. But they're like, do you see what this is doing to you? and your family. It's not a right fit. I'm like, but I don't know what I'm going to do after this. It doesn't matter. You've got to quit. And so I literally went in. And I said walking away from this 15-year job was the hardest thing I've ever done. And then it stacked up to like going in to stop 911 dispatch became the hardest thing in the world. I actually had to go in twice to quit. I was that guy. I told Ann, I'm quitting today. I go in, I come back home, I'm like, I think I'm going to give it another week. <laughs> like, you know, I'm kind of feeling a little bit better about this. And she's like, no, you have to quit. And I'm like, you're right. So then I go back in, and I quit. And then they leave the door open, you know, and they were like, Phil, if you ever want to work this job, you can start right back up, because you're awesome at this. I'm like, OK. <laughs> you know, but I had to quit. So I don't know, like, you know, I don't know your DNA. I don't know your makeup. Quitting is super hard for me, super difficult. But like I can tell you, that next day after I quit that job, I was feeling really good, really good. That day was super hard, and walking in there and doing it was very difficult. But the next day was amazing. And the other job did come, right? Like the other job did come. I remember talking to Silas at one point. I've shared this story maybe before. But um, when I started real estate, <laughs> Silas was like, wow, Dad, you're really trying everything, aren't you? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, yep, I sure am. <laughs> I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. But sometimes there are things that you have to 
quit. Sometimes there are things you have to quit. Giving myself permission to quit was perhaps one of the most difficult things to do. It was telling myself a story that like somehow I wasn't living up to something or I was falling short of something or that being a quitter was negative. But like in my case, in my story, quitting was the right thing to do. And it was so hard to give myself permission to like enter into that and do that. Um, the second area, oh, this one's hard for me, expressing anger. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen me without a smile. Like it happens, like it really does. And I'm just that guy. I really wanna please people, I really wanna lift people up, I wanna laugh with you. Just a week ago, there was a picture taken. I was standing at a wedding with this couple up front and these ominous dark clouds are rolling in behind us. And the bride is looking at me like, get this thing moving, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, we're good. Like I've seen these clouds before, it's all good. And so then I hit this part in the ceremony where I say, you know, between the two of you, it's just, there's some kind of electricity. And I finished that sentence, boom! The loudest thunder you've ever heard. Up at 10 Mile Station is where we're at, by the way. And it hits, and the groom looks at me like, how did you do that? And everybody else is dying, and I just start laughing. And one of my friends is the photographer, and she takes this picture. Groom's cracking up, she's dying, the bride, and I am just laughing. And she puts the picture on Facebook and says, this was my favorite moment in the ceremony, and blah, blah, blah. And then all these other photographers that I've worked with start chiming in, and they're like, that's Phil at every ceremony. That's like nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I started thinking, man, people really, yeah, I'm, I'm that happy guy. Expressing anger for me, super hard to do. Super hard to do, because I love to take anger and I love to think that I dismantle it and break it away and don't let it enter into me, but I pull it right in and I just shove it all down nice and neat. And it comes out sometimes in the worst, worst places. Have you ever heard that idea that like you just pass the pain on, you know? You like take it and then you just give it right to somebody else. And most of the time, the people that I give it to are the people that I feel the most comfortable around. The people who I know love me without a doubt. Right? So I bring it home a lot. There was an instance this past year, um, I can't even remember what it was, but I laid into Silas and I felt so bad. <laughs> like, it was not anything he did, it was everything I had been pushing down, everything I had been keeping inside. And I let it all out at the wrong time, in the wrong place, on the wrong person. And so like being able to healthfully express anger. Maybe I should put that in there too. <laughs> like, not like flipping out. We were driving somewhere just a couple of days ago and we were behind a guy who passed me and pulled in front of me. And then he was behind, then we all caught up to this other car. Big RV, right? Now, have you ever driven an RV? I have. It scared me to death. Like, those things are crazy. Every little gust of wind, I was like, oh my god. Like, it's, it's nerve-wracking. So the RV is rightfully going the speed limit. The speed limit. And this guy is behind him, he is just riding him so hard. Putting on his brakes, speeding up, putting on his brakes, speeding up so close to him. And then you see his left arm go out the window, and he does one of these. 
you know? And I'm thinking, like, what is up with this guy? And then so he, like, speeds around him really fast and takes off. And I'm like, all right, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's in an emergency and he needs to get somewhere. I doubt it, though, because the hand thing never really comes out in an emergency, right? <laughs> That's like communicating something right there. But that anger we take in, you know, and like where it comes out and how you express it, not so great. Not so great sometimes. I'm horribly bad at expressing my anger because I don't feel it and I don't express it. And so like what could it look like for me then to give myself permission to actually feel frustration, to feel anger, to understand that I am upset, and to let it be contained and expressed in that moment so it doesn't spill over to other people or other areas of my life. Something I like to do, I hope you guys like to do it too, if I'm really angry, get active, right? Like work it out. I had one run where all I did was scream. And I was like, I hope nobody I know like sees me doing this. But like it felt so good. It felt so good. I've also had another moment where I just like excused myself from a place and I left and I went and I just let it out. I just verbally just let it out. And something about getting it out right then and there brought me down a notch or two. Helped me breathe a little bit more and just settle down. Um, I was gonna say too, I had this one meeting one time with a friend and this friend knew that I was already, I was at my tipping point. And I try, especially, especially in public spheres, like I don't want people to see me upset. I don't want people to see me angry. That's like a part of my DNA. It's something there that I've got to work out. But I went into this meeting and I was the maddest I've ever been in my life. I mean, I yelled at someone, like in front of other people, which I don't normally do. I mean, I can probably count on my hand the number of times I've done it. And after that meeting, my friend who was in that meeting, he walked up to me and I said, I, I just, I've got to apologize. That's what I said. I was like, I don't know what came over me. I'm, I'm so sorry for raising my voice. I, I, that was entirely inappropriate. I'm sorry. He goes, I don't know, man. I kind of like that Phil. <laughs> I've never seen that Phil. And I was like, oh. Okay, so maybe in some instances, I can't express my anger, and it doesn't like change who I am for me, and I can give myself permission to kind of go down that road a little bit more. Um, this third area for me, so we've got first one, right? What was it? Quit. Anybody? Quit. Yeah, quit or fill. Give myself permission to quit. Second one, to express anger to do it in a healthy way, to make sure it happens. Third one is to be authentic. Oof, ouch. Um, authenticity. I don't know, I spend a lot of time meeting strangers these days in my job, and I find myself laughing at a lot of things that aren't funny. Right? Like just to, you know, nodding a lot, smiling, laughing at things. When they say like, they're from out of state and they're in this area and they've been to this thing and they're like, yeah, you know of that, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Authenticity. It's a hard one for me. It's a hard one for me because like, I just, 
you know, let's be friends, let's hang out, let's do this, let's connect. We have so much in common. Maybe not though, because Phil wasn't being authentic. Authenticity can be a really difficult one for me. There's this comedian I love, his name is James Acaster. I plugged him once at More to Life. I don't know if any of you checked him out. He's got a super thick accent and a speech impediment, so you've got to really zone in just for a little bit. And once you get the hang of it, you're like, yeah, okay, I understand what he's saying now, and he's funny. He's super clever. But he talks about being on a jury one time with this guy who just said whatever he wanted to your face, and he was so brutally honest. And James Acaster is like, who is this guy? Just walking around, speaking all this truth and honesty and being so authentic. He's like, not me, I do what civilized people do, right? I find someone else who hates that person that I hate, and we go off to a private room, and then we talk about him so nobody can hear. We do the proper thing, you know? Like, that's what he was saying. He was saying, like, that's what I, that's what I engage in. That's what I do. And I was listening to that, and I was like, yeah, right? Like, it's hard for me to be authentic sometimes. And sometimes, like, I don't give myself permission because I'm creating some story that says, like, if, if I don't, like, if I, if I really am myself over here, I'm not sure what's going to happen. If I'm not authentic, I have a pretty good grasp on what's going to happen because I'm kind of controlling it in a way to where we're agreeing, to where we've got a lot of commonalities, to where we're, like, striking this chord. But if I venture down this other unknown path. I'm not sure what's going to happen. So sometimes I'm really afraid of that kind of authenticity, and I don't give myself permission to go there. Truth be told, when I have given myself permission to go there, it's worked out okay. It's worked out okay. So I'm not sure why I don't trust that track record, you know? Why can't I lean on history? Hey, when I've expressed anger in a good way, it's been a good thing but I still bump up against it and I fail to give myself permission to do it over and over again. I look back on the years of quitting jobs <laughs> and I'm like, it did work out and it went somewhere great, but I still come up to these places and these are three areas for me where I have a really hard time giving myself permission. Now that I've identified those areas, I can start to pay attention a little bit more, right? a little bit more when I find myself in any one of those three areas and I can start to say, hey, wait a second. This might actually stop my forward movement and growth. This might actually like keep me back in a way that isn't beneficial to me moving forward in life. So I've got to give myself permission to make that happen somehow. Those three areas for me, I feel like I'm that little kid back in the classroom with his hand up and I'm just waiting and I don't even know what's gonna happen. And I'm like stuck in this spot and I wish there was someone. I could be like, hey, will you give me permission to do this? Will you just tell me it's okay? Will you move me forward? And you look around and there's nobody there to give you the permission because it's my choice and it's all on me and I get to choose. And so I wanna say that like, I don't get stuck that often. I wish that I could say like I always choose that, but I don't. And so tonight, what I'm hoping for all of you is, I hope you can look at your life and I hope you can say, okay, what are some areas in my own life 
that I'm kind of waiting for permission to explore. I find myself there time and time again. Like I come to a place and it's like, hang on a second. Like when do I look around and wish someone would make the call for me and say, yep, it's okay, go ahead, do that. But you find yourself in a place where you kind of shrink away, you, you know, you recoil a little bit and you say, I'm not sure that I'm gonna go down there because it feels a little, a little like new territory and pretty uncomfortable. So I'm not necessarily gonna go down that path. In your life right now, what's got you stuck? What's preventing you from thrival? Because I wish that you could just wrap your head around and imagine how you could grow, how you could change if you would only be able to give yourself permission to do that really hard thing. Most of the time for me, it's pretty obvious and pretty clear and pretty direct, but I still avoid it. <laughs> and I still like run from that. And I'm like, I'm not gonna give myself permission to do that. I don't know if I can do that. Most likely there's an area in your life that you need to give yourself permission to do, to feel, to embrace, to encounter, or to even stop. Most likely there's an area in which you need to give yourself permission and without it, you won't experience the growth and change that could take you to a whole nother level in your life. A whole new depth with all sorts of meaning. I know in my life, and I'm gonna pull this in a little bit next week because I've got like six areas that I feel like can be more common to like all of us. And that's what I'm gonna talk about next time. Six areas you can like really give yourself permission. And we're even gonna do an experiment next time. It's gonna be cool, I'm excited about it. But I know that in my life, when I don't give myself permission to do some of those things, I experience less joy because somehow I walk away from that encounter and when I don't give myself permission to do it, I don't know, it's like I'm robbing myself of a little bit of joy or of a little bit of peace. If I was still a 911 dispatch, I'm telling you, it was not the job for me. Not at all. I've seen people thrive in that job. My mentor at that job was amazing. She was unbelievable in that job. It was for her. I guarantee it. For me, not so much. And like, if I hadn't quit it, if I hadn't walked away, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I wouldn't be feeling the same kind of peace <laughs> and joy that I do now. So tonight is your little nudge. Your little nudge to work the permission system. I give you full permission to work the permission system on your own behalf, on your own behalf. So what you need to do is, that means you need to find your inner pushover parent, right? You need to find that inner pushover parent. So like when you're in this situation and you know what you're gonna ask permission, permission for, find that space in yourself to be that pushover and be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I give you permission to do that. I totally give you permission to do that. Hey, if you just want to write the whole thing off and ask for forgiveness later, do that too, right? If you want to be like, you're going to go into a blind and fast and spontaneous, you're like, I'm just going to do it and I'll worry about it later. Like, I'm just going to ask myself for forgiveness later. Do that too. But you've got to find a way in these areas to give yourself permission 
permission. Intentionally to tell yourself, I give myself permission to quit. I give myself permission to express anger. I give myself permission to be authentic. I give myself permission to fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. So next time, we're going to get together. I'm going to interview two people, two people at the beginning, because once a month now, we're interviewing people so we can share stories and connect on different levels and just get to know each other more. But I'm going to interview two people. Then we're going to dive into six distinct common areas that I feel like are pretty broad strokes for us to give ourselves permission to do. At the end, we're going to do an experiment. And you're going to leave. And you're going to get to take something with you. And it's going to be really beneficial. But until next time, friends, may you adventure inward and see where you've been limiting yourself. May you find where you're stuck or in a rut because you simply haven't given yourself permission to move forward into the unknown, the uncertain, and the uncomfortable. I pray that you give yourself permission to grow and enter into thrival, to work the permission system on your behalf, because only you can choose that for yourself. Only you. There's no one else really to ask. Give yourself permission. Amen. Boom. We're at 6.45. Start late, end early. <laughs> right? Start late, end early. We've got more tea, hot cocoa. Is there any more dessert? Yes. There's more dessert. So you can take that. As always, if you don't know somebody, I mean, we live in a small town, small community. If you don't know somebody in here, would you just shake their hand and introduce yourself? Just say your name. You know, we'll be back here next Tuesday. Hopefully you'll see some familiar faces next Tuesday as well and some unfamiliar ones who weren't here tonight. But I thank you guys so much for showing up um, and being here. Don't forget to maybe get on Best of Summit 2018. Look around for, you know, best on private, best wedding officiant. I don't know. Things like that. But we'll see you next Tuesday, hopefully, for the second installment of Permission Slip. Permission Slip. We'll see you guys next time.